Yo, I don't know whether I'm sitting down or standing up. <laughs> sitting. All right. How do I stand? Feet. <laughs> Welcome to the Growing Up Punk Podcast, a podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. And thanks for being one of those friends. We love uh, interacting with each one of you. Thanks for the ways in which you um, do that, whether it's on our social media or on our YouTube or our website. Uh, Speaking of which, our website is growingpunkpod.com. There you can find links to our social media, to our YouTube page, to album reviews, and all that kind of good stuff. So thanks so much for being a part of this community and supporting us. On today's show, we are talking with Adam from the pop-punk band Homegrown. They were a part of the pop-punk boom in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I've been a fan of Homegrown for a long time, and so it was really cool to get to catch up with Adam. Uh, Some of the things we touch on is... Kind of how we got into music, what the scene was like um, growing up kind of in Southern California, and then also what it was like to uh, to get signed, to drive through records, and to get on some pretty big tours, and kind of what that held for the band, and um, then also kind of what brought the end of the band, and, uh, and a lot of other stuff as well. Uh, what's really exciting is that Adam is uh, working on a new project, a new music project, and uh, so we get to talk about that a bit as well. I got to hear some of it, and it's awesome, so you should be really excited about that. And so thanks so much for checking out this show, and we really hope you enjoy this interview with Adam from the band Homegrown. How did you get into music? Like, what are the kind of the earliest memories you have of of music impacting your life? Hmm. Um. Gosh, I didn't pick up a guitar until I was, I think, I was about fourteen, and that was just I. I don't even know why I did it to be honest with you, because my family isn't terribly musical. Like, I grew up with trumpet and stuff like that, but, like, music around the house. Like, we weren't a family that was, like, into music and into records and stuff. We just kind of... Music was an afterthought. Yeah. So, to this day, I couldn't even tell you why I actually decided to pick up a really crappy electric guitar with a speaker built into it that didn't work. Um, But I think probably getting exposed to... I have a memory of... And it's so odd, this one always sticks out, but I was... I think it was about like 89 or 90 and some friends of a friend of mine pulled up in a beat up old van with old newspapers, a bunch of political stuff all over the van and like weird like zines and cutouts and spray paint on the van and I get in the back of this thing and I'm just like this suburban kid and I'm like what in the world is happening right now 
and uh, I heard Operation IV. Mm, cool. And I was like, I have never heard anything like this in my life. And, you know, it's that feeling you have when you hear something new or like a new band and you love it, right? Like instantly you, yeah. you have like a feeling of, you just, you feel good. You, you almost feel cool. You feel just by association, just by listening and knowing it. You're like, ah, you know, like that's identify, you know, it's, it, that's me. So I think that sort of perked my interest into sort of music and some of that sort of pop sound and a different sound than what I was hearing on the radio and stuff. Yeah. So what about, what about that music stood out to you? Was it the lyrics, the music, the energy to it, just the way it made you feel? Yeah. Check, check, check. Everything you just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, it was sort of, it was that moment too, right? Like that, just that moment for me, I felt, I felt like I was in a situation where it was like, uh, it, it just made me feel cooler than I, than I should have felt cool. Like I felt I was kind of more this shy, quiet kid and I was invited into a world that was a little bit like bigger and broader than I'd experienced. I was accepted into yeah. it. And, uh, yeah. And the energy, like everything else in the radio is kind of pop and put together. And this, it was just, I mean, I go back and listen to it now. And I mean, it just, uh, frankly, I mean, the recording stuff is garbage. It's like, yeah. it's just, but it doesn't change how great the music is and the energy and just like you could feel the moment of it. And so it doesn't really matter to me how, how bad, you know, the recording is. It's just, it captured a moment, you know? Yeah. So would that have been the, the moment that kind of propelled you forward? Like you started searching out more bands or music or started playing guitar more after that or how did that kind of progress i, I think I, you know it was kind of i was around a friend of mine who was like starting to get into like records and um like that was when tape cassettes were like more people are getting tape cassettes and stuff just for reference you know time reference like like i remember hearing like quiet riot and stuff and they're like a mm. and at the time like really ooh, you know evil band and stuff like that and uh uh, I just started getting exposed to more of that sort of underground, sort of metally, glam metal, whatever those sounds were. Mm, yeah. And I just, I found myself interested in it. Um, so I probably got slow cooked into that whole sort of sound, probably for a couple of years. So. Mm. And were you were you seeing any of those bands live around that time, or? Like, what, how did you correlate, you know, finding music to then, like, really playing music and, and kind of putting those two worlds together? I, I, would, I, I was so innocent and naive. I mean, there's no way I'd even know how to make that at the time, like, that that had even been an option, you know what I mean? Mm. I was so, yeah. I, I, was, I was pretty, in good ways, sheltered kid, you know, but I just, even being exposed to that stuff, I didn't get to the point, like, I actually, like, shows and... um like I think through some like early church events or something like that, like there's like the, the hardcore scene coming in and stuff. And I went to a couple shows, but then. Do you know what those bands would have been? Like, were they just local bands or. They're a local like, band. Like, I remember one's called like crucified and. Oh um, yeah. I know the crucified. Oh really? Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah. it was just like, it was just, it's just different. You know, it was like, it was like, it was like a scene that, you know, it was like music that you as like a younger person identified with. It's just, wasn't what your parents are doing, you know, it was like just so much energy, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't get involved into like shows and stuff, like even with Homegrown um, until like backyard, back then, back in the day in California, it was like backyard parties were the thing. So it's oh, very, yeah. it's very common to have, you know, backyard parties and you'd sit, you know, you'd make flyers and you'd 
get them at Kinko's or something like that, get them all printed, and you just mark markers and cut out things from magazines and put together something yeah. and said, you know, Toby's Backyard Party, you know, four bucks, keg at the whatever, you know, and you just... You go to like freeway off ramps and on ramps and stick them on there, or go to like local shows and get people flyers. It was, it was just kind of very organic and raw back then. Sort of started with yeah. started with parties and things like that. So, how did you get together with people to play? Like, how, what was that leading up to that? You know, you said you kind of played guitar a little bit, but when did it? So, did you play guitar or bass and homegrown? Uh, I played bass and homegrown, but I okay, but I always. I mean, there's a story there too, of course. There's always stories, but I was mostly like I like getting into music and that sound and that scene. I I, I always play guitar, like you know, writing songs is always guitar. Learning, like when I actually got the guitar, that just became like an obsession for me. I just I get home from school and I'd spend like four hours a day just reading guitar magazine tabs. Yeah. You know, what I mean, just like getting whatever you could, like listening to something and just keep trying to figure out where the finger was. You know, I didn't even know what i was doing necessarily i just knew enough to tinker and keep keep rewinding the tape or whatever and just keep trying to find what they're playing type thing yeah was homegrown the first band that you played in yeah yeah so how how did that come to be with those just guys you were in high school with and just had similar interests or yeah i had some i got kind of got reunited with i moved i moved from i lived in santa Ana, california and then i moved to to uh, Mission Viejo wasn't too far away, but when you're kids, you know, that kind of separates, you know, your friendships and you're not driving and stuff. So like back kind of at the tail end of high school and stuff, I kind of met up with some old friends of mine and they lived out in Orange and they were friends with some of the members of like Homegrown and stuff and the very, you know, before playing shows, more just backyard parties and stuff. And uh, they knew I played guitar, but I never really played around anybody. And uh, one night at a party... Uh, their bass player couldn't make it and so john came up to me and he's all dude we need you to play bass and i'm like i've never played a bass in my life and and he's like i I remember he said something like it's okay man it's it's just like a guitar it's actually easier there's less strings and they're bigger it's easy to play and i'm like okay and so we just went to the side of their little stage thing in the backyard they put up and I think he spent about 15, 20 minutes and taught me like four songs. And I walked up right on stage and played the whole, like, you know, the set with him or whatever. And I was petrified out of my mind, but I played really well. Like Mm. it just something in me, just, I could remember everything he showed me or whatever. And so then after that, as they started, you know, rehearsing a little bit more and stuff, they're like, Hey, you want to come play with us again? And I just, I just kept showing up and then onward the story goes, you know? Yeah, so the band was called Homegrown already then, or was it just yeah, it was Homegrown no name band or okay. I I might I don't know if there might have been a no name point, um, but I feel like the early days, yeah, I was Homegrown. Hmm. So at what point? At what point with that band did it? You know, like was it a conscious decision to? You know, we want to you know make a profession out of this. We want to tour. We want to do this full time. Or did it just kind of happen organically? What was that process like? Of you know, like I'm guessing this was like in high school. You're playing these backyard parties, and this was this know. was in early call, like the the er, the like the first year of like college. Oh, okay, so you're out of high school at this point. Yeah, like just finishing high school and kind of getting involved. Yeah. Okay, so everyone's in college, like that's the path you're taking. When does that switch to music or how does that all play into each other? Well, 
I mean, college was just, uh, I, <laughs> college was, I don't know what in the world I'm doing with my life, but I know I'm supposed to go to college, you know? <laughs> mm, yeah. And so you're kind of doing everything for, like, to get our, you know, to get a, an AA, you know, just to get a couple years in. And I mean, gosh, that took me, I think, like, five years to even achieve that because I was just oh, sort wow. of very half committed. Um, yeah. That's a hard thing, right? To try and commit to something in life when you, you're not really convinced of what you want to do for the rest of your life. It, it, it was yeah. sc- it was scary for me. It was, it was a hard time, but the um, now the music, everything just uh, we had the desire. Like our desires were very um, they weren't grandiose. They were the desire was once you're playing backyard parties. Oh, it'd be cool to play a club or something. Oh, well, our friends are promoters you know, for like dance clubs or something like that. Oh, they want us to play. They're they're doing dance clubs and then breakout punk show moments. Like somehow it worked. <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, we're playing clubs, you know? And it's like, wow. And then, you know, oh, if we could only play a venue, you know, like an actual rock venue. So it's kind of like each step, you just kind of like look a little ahead, but there's no plan. I mean, it was like, yeah, we were just young punks just, playing music, you know, doing a couple covers and just having fun and then just kind of going, oh, it'd be cool if, and they just kept happening, you know? Like if we played with Face to Face, I remember we said, that'd be so awesome. And all of a sudden we got a show with Face to Face at the Ice House and it was like, oh my gosh, you know, we did it. And uh, and it, it just it's kind of, you know, just one step from there up. Yeah, so did you guys finish college or... Like, was it, you know, did those shows kind of push you to be like, okay, let's try to do this on, you know, a national scale or kind of what was that kind of shift from, you know, it just kind of being kind of a part of what you were doing to, um, or was it ever like, I, I don't even know, like, did it, was Homegrown ever like, you know, a full-time touring band or was it just kind of in between of work and life and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's it started out in the early touring um, I guess I should back up. What kind of pushed us to that point is we had developed like a really good local following, like the local SoCal scene was was pretty lit back then. And um, and then we got the attention of a record label called Liberation Records. And um, we put out just one song and he was doing, a, he wanted to put together like a compilation of a bunch of bands. At the time, that was kind of a new thing, like a, that you would actually do a, compilation for punk type bands like you know now it's pretty common that type you know compilations yeah, yeah. back then it was that was unheard of and so we were fortunate enough to be a part of that and um put the song face in the crowd on there and then we went out on our first u.s tour with a band called the u.s bombs oh, another, yeah. another band called the grabbers and i mean that was that was a wild wild tour but um those guys are great guys great guys i mean they're just they're just wild and crazy um but we had great response all over from this one song it was Mm. it was it was crazy he was selling tons of copies of it i mean it was like a phenomenon and then he asked us you guys toured off of one song off of one song wow yeah it was crazy so you just played that one song every night we just played that one (laughs) yeah just that one song on loop yeah it was a 15 minute song no uh yeah, we just, I mean, when that song came on, obviously it was like a big deal, like for the kids who knew it and stuff. Um, and obviously going out with the, you know, the US Bonds and Grabbers, there's, you know, 
obviously like a you know built-in sort of audience in places right um but from there they asked us to do a full-length record and so that really sort of started the journey to where okay like uh, you know the whole college side what are you gonna do for a living type thing when we got the record it sort of you know sort of started making a shift Mm. and what was that record called that's business okay and is is that the one that you did with steve kravak or was that the following one that was steve kravak yeah Okay. Yeah, I saw, you, you, guys, I saw you interviewed uh, him, which is him? awesome. Yeah. How, how did you guys hook up with Steve, and uh, what was that uh, process like? Because he would have been like fairly, fairly new to to recording then. Like he hadn't done any like bigger albums at that point yet, right? I don't remember. I know, like, I know he's like working with like Ten Foot Pole and stuff. Like he had some connections. Um, he had some stuff he was doing, like, it, it, I think he's developing a name at the time. And, um, I honestly, I can't tell you how we got involved. Maybe he could remember or someone else in the band could remember, but I just remember we were going to a studio, you know, out in LA, you know, and he's going to, he was going to handle the record, you know? So he got us as green as could be, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like real to real, real to real recordings and like, you know, just going in and trying to make it sound good. Yeah. And so did that, did that having a full record, did that kind of propel things for you? Just knowing, okay, we've got, you know, these 10 or 12 songs kind of behind us. Now we can really kind of push forward. Um, or was it still kind of, you know, just kind of here and there that you guys were touring and trying to promote that? It was, it was definitely a big launch forward. Um, cause at that time too, the whole, the whole pop punk scene was really starting to like, Explode like bands like the early Green Day stuff, you know, um, Screeching Weasels, the Queers, all those type of bands had really sort of laid like a foundation to peak the entry. Like you know, what I mean, so coming in on that with that that ska sound, that punk sound, it was just like people yeah. were, people were ready for it. Type, you know, um, yeah. So it it sort of launched it launched us pretty quickly to where we could tour. I we didn't tour as much as we did like say in the later days like with drive through records and stuff but i th- i want to say we probably toured maybe like four four or five months or something like that okay and what were some of the standout tours from that era oh man standout tours like was it still kind of with local bands or were you getting on kind of bigger shows or there was, was yeah there was some bi- there were some bigger tours i'm trying to remember because it's been so long ago, right? Like I'm trying to think of when yeah, yeah. when the yeah, tours the good. tours I loved were with that album or were they with uh, you know like from the next record. Um, gosh, I, you know at that time there's a lot of local bands would be put on the bill, right? As you went around, uh, I think we toured with a couple of the Liberation bands at times. Uh, gosh, I'm. I don't have a good answer for you. All I can think of, I'm yeah, my no, brain. Okay. My brain just goes to tours that I can think of that were memorable at the time. You know, like yeah, like up in Canada, going up with Millencall and their first time coming out to you know to oh, to the states and over you know to to North America and stuff is like we got to go do the tour with Millencall and that was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, great shows, yeah. great great guys, you know, great memories. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, getting to play with Propagandi, we played their their yeah, first their awesome. first United States show because you know they have wow. issues with the United States, and we got to play their their first show. Yeah, where was that? And what state was that? Oh, 
Pretty sure it was California. I, I don't remember the name of the venue, but I can see it in my head. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, I don't need the venue name. Just, yeah, I was curious if it was, you know, somewhere closer up to Canada or if it was in more kind of your area of, of the States. I'm pretty sure it was in California. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Like real big fit, like doing, you know, shows with real big fish and like save Ferris and, you know, uh, I think we had a couple little moments like with Les and Jake, not not like tour tours, but like getting to play like a show here and there is because, you know, bands are kind of all touring around at the same right. time and there might be a, well, you know, you get to meet up at that point and play together. Yeah. So, Did you notice things kind of, you know, picking up more for you guys or was it kind of a slow progression or what was that like? And, you know, because this was like early 2000s, right? Yeah, um, this this was, uh, this was... Yeah, it was like 98, 99, I want to say, probably, right yeah. around there. Um, yeah, we just, as, lo as long as we kept touring, like, because so much of back then, you know, like, before, again, it's so hard, like, with the internet, it changed everything, right? I mean, right. That, I mean, that totally dates me to say that, but, like, back then, everything was kind of word of mouth, right? So, you go do a tour, and for, like, entertainment and stuff, it's not like you can go online and check out bands and see things, like, if you want to like have an awesome memory, an awesome moment, you're going to go to the show. You know what I mean? It's like right. back then too, is like you didn't even have to totally love bands. Like locally in our scene, there's a lot of like, you would just go out to shows because that's what you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right. So back then touring is like, yeah, I saw this band. I'm going to go see him again. And this time I'm going to bring my friends. And then you go back and circle again. And then those friends bring those friends and the same ones who came the first time come because that's entertainment, right? There's, right. there's, yeah. no, there's no phones. There's nothing else to do. Like, that's what you do. You go to shows. So in that, in that regard, like shows were a big deal and, and yeah, turnouts were always good. Like it's, we just keep circling the U S and, and, and the fan base just kept growing. Yeah. So what came after that's business? How long, like, was that album out before the next one came out? Uh, I think it was like, I want to say about two, two years, two and a half years. Okay. Um, at that point, we got approached. We'd had enough success around the country and stuff that um, we got the attention of a subsidiary of a major label of uh, Geffen, and it was called Outpost Recordings. Okay. And, um, you know, they're obviously able to offer, like, you know, good funds to go, you know, really mix and record a, you know, a record like with a good, like a good strong budget, you know, some video yeah. budget, some of those things like tour, you know, big tour support and, um, you know, things were just kind of like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is like, you know, this feels like next step type of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and great guys, great leaders of, of the label and stuff. Um, but unfortunately that they got bought out. And so we got caught in what was, honestly too common for bands back then is getting caught in the major label sort of implosions and restructures and then we, f we finish a record and then it basically gets shelved oh man so it was yeah, that's unfortunate that's such a common story for bands from that era yes it, it was it really was and that's we were kind of like they basically said we can't really do anything with it and you know we can't like promote it or put money behind it tour support wasn't there and we just kind of all as a band just talked and said it's kind of a decision point like what do we want to do and we're like we like this record let's just go tour like let's just do it our, like let's just do it ourselves let's, let's keep doing what we've always done and so we just grinded we just like 
for the next couple of years. We toured for like 10 months out of the year. Yeah, wow. So yeah, obviously at this point you had made the choice of, you know, we're going to pursue this with, you know, all we all we all we are and all we have and and uh just kind of making it happen. Just yeah, just make a living off, you know, shows, merchandise and, you know, cuz at that point we're, you know, school's all hindsight, jobs are all hindsight. It's like it's feast or famine, you know, you you work and you play and you you survive and I mean, aside from that, it's kind of all we knew and it was like you know, it's like the time of your life type thing. It's just, it's kind of an incredible thing to just show up and, you know, have those type of connections everywhere you go. It's, you know, it's like, like you, you know, you did, you did the, you know, you did all the touring and stuff, you know, that just that energy and that excitement, the anticipation, there's just something, you know, there's a, there's a thrill there. It's really, it's really special. Yeah. And how was like, were you guys getting along as a band or was this time, you know, you know, cause you're kind of grinding, but not really sure, you know, if it's going to be productive, you know, you don't have a label behind you. Um, you know, like, were you guys just feeling good and energized about that or was it, you know, stressful or kind of what was the dynamic in the band at that time? It was all of those all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, uh, it was, it would get stressful sometimes. Uh, I mean, in a sense it's good, but also when you're kind of circling places more than a few times, you know, it's, it's, it does get a little bit harder to keep people's attention when you have the same material, right? So yeah. always having to sort of reinvent your shows, reinvent how you present yourself. We were, we were big into like show banter, like humor, theming out tours, theming out shows. Like we'd always try and mm. sort of package it in a way that like, yeah, you want to come back because if you don't come back to this one, you're going to miss something. Right. But for the most part, we got along. If if anyone, if, if anything, me and John bumped heads the most. Mm. We would and... And, you know, we just weren't mature enough to like, or even self-aware enough to know how to handle like oh, yeah. disappointments and conflict and how we're f- like feelings, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and when you're in a band and stuff, you're kind of, you're forever and you're, you're forever an infant in a sense. Like you're not forced to really grow up and the people around you and stuff aren't looking to, you know, be like, dude, that's kind of wacky. You're like dude, what's up with you type thing? It's more just like, be crazy and people like it. Be crazier and people like it more. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. not a lot, not a lot of c- accountability to normalcy and stuff, but, mm. um, but we, we'd butt heads and the way we'd handle yeah. it is we'd, we'd usually just, we'd stop talking to each other sometimes for months. Wow. And still touring and playing shows. And, and still playing the shows other? and talking on stage <laughs> and then we get off stage and then no talking. <laughs> it's just, you know, I couldn't even tell you why we'd even have the the disagreements or the arguments, but they would come up and, and our, our way of handling it was just not talking, you know, and then eventually yeah. something would happen oh, and we'd, we'd come back together and we'd talk and it'd be like, why didn't we, I don't know. Okay. And you know, it's just back to normal. Well, yeah, nothing really prepares you for that, right? Like you don't know you know, what it's, I guess the same with anything, right? You don't know how to be a parent until you're a parent or if someone teaches you, but there's no one really teaching like, okay, this is how to be a touring musician. This is how to communicate. This is how to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's all learning on the spot and just hoping everyone can kind of, you know, pick up the pieces as they, as they fall, so to speak. So that's, yeah, pretty, pretty normal, I think. Yeah, and just, you know, because you're, you're out, you're doing stuff, like, you're not communicating well with each other, like, you go out somewhere, like, dude, we gotta go, we gotta drive overnight, or whatever, and it's like, where's so-and-so? I don't know. You know, it's like, 
No one, no yeah. one has, no one has cell phones and stuff either, right? It's like that, you, you know, in the early days of cell, like you know, kind of yeah. those things actually being affordable and stuff. It's just kind of like you're gone, you're gone, you're just waiting around in a hotel, dude. I hope they show up because we gotta leave. You know, it's like just stupid things like that. You know, stupid yeah. van stuff. Yeah. So what uh, kind of leading up? So Kings of Pop was the was the next record after that. Um, that seemed like a big shift for your band. I mean, that's that's the album that I know the most. And as I've gone back to the older ones, like there's there's a big jump, you know, just in sound and production and kind of you know the way the band sounds and the songwriting. And so, what kind of happened in that time? I mean, obviously, there's lots of experience of touring and and writing and that whole thing. But how did you know that album come together? How did signing with Drive Through kind of that whole shift of you know kind of from what I can remember of that time, kind of, you know, propelling you guys, because that's, that's when I would have heard of you is on that album, you know. I can still remember seeing, you know, ads in magazines and obviously, you know, drive through, I'm sure, brought a lot of that, you know, awareness and promotion in there. So how did that all kind of happen? Yeah, that was, um, you know, we'd, like I said, we've been kind of grinding for a few years and then we had finally gotten out of contract, um, like actually able, you know, sort of released because, you know, sign of the majors and stuff. I mean, contracts are a little different these days, but, uh, you know, you sign, you know, say a guaranteed record and they might have a couple options, which means if, you know, you made a money, basically they'll, they have the option to, you know, to do the next record. Yeah. Um, but it's their choice, right? It's not your choice. It's their choice. So kind of being stuck in that, that was the kind of the limbo stuck in what are they going to do the options, but they're not really thinking about it because it's a big merger. Um, but you know, thanks to our like business managers and or, and our attorney and stuff, uh, Roger Sando, shout out to you for anyone in the world who's listening. Uh, but if he'd ever hear that, thank you, Roger. Uh, but getting us getting us out, and then um, we we're kind of open, sort of you know, free agents with a with a with a great sort of fan base, actively mm-hmm. touring, working hard, and it's kind of like what next? And um, uh, drive through approached us talk to us and you know they had it like a they had a lot of vision they had a real good pulse on the scene yeah were you guys familiar with the label at that point like had they had any major releases out already or was it kind of fairly new i can't remember my 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 initial thought right now is i I remember at the time they were they'd kind of grown pretty quickly and the oh what's his name no dashboard confessional Okay. I know that and he had like this EP or whatever out, like the acoustic thing, and it was a huge success. Yeah. There's a couple other artists I can't remember, but they'd sort of just sort of come in in the scene, boom, you know, just a, a, like doing a really great job. And we looked at what they're doing and how they're like promoting bands, all that type of stuff. And then um, some of the money that they're able to sort of guarantee for tour support and to actually record a quality record. Yeah. It was kind of like, man, they're excited about this this feels good we're excited about this relationship you know and um and so we just you know it just seemed like the right move to make and it was you know it was you know it was a good i mean they kind of had the market for pop punk really right i mean they were just they were i mean there's other labels obviously doing great job but they just really had like a kind of a name in the scene so yeah yeah who did you guys record uh kings of pop with steve evitz uh, okay. Yeah. Another, I mean, that guy's worked with so many bands. So what was that like working with, uh, an established producer like that? He, he fun, uh, challenging, 
he's just, he, I mean, he's just a professional, man. He's, he's just, yeah. he's the real deal. You know, like we knew he worked on the old, like the saves the day stuff. And, um, yeah. he had a couple of records where just like, we love his sound. And, um, so we, you know, we wanted him to do the, do the record or whatever. And, um, he, he's just the kind of guy that he's the kind of guy, like, I'm looking for this kind of sound. And he, you know, he's got a zillion pedals is, you know, he had tons of outboard mm. gear. He knows how to work the studio. He's like, Oh, you're looking for, okay. <laughs> right. And just like, like this. Yeah. Okay. Let's plug, let's go yeah, tune awesome. up, you know, tune up. Like he just, he just always knew if you had an idea, he could get you to, he could get you recording the idea really quick. Yeah. Well, it's cool as he's still recording some of those bands. I mean, he just did the new New Found Glory record, and um, I don't know. I don't think he did any of their earlier ones, but, um, yeah, that's cool. He's still, you know, still involved in that scene and still with a band, you know, like New Found Glory was on on drive through for a bit, and so that's that's cool that you kind of got in with him. You know, he'd already done some stuff, but, I mean, he's done, I mean, obviously tons since then as well. Oh, yeah. So we still talk. Like we're we're yeah, we're still friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I probably just talked to him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, crazy. And he just got he just got uh, he just got married, and yeah, it's like yeah, we're still in touch. He's he's a, he's a, he's a pretty phenomenal guy, and he's insanely talented. So yeah. So what happened after that album came out? Like, how long did you guys tour off of that? You know, did you notice even more progression with the band? You know, kind of what was the kind of temperature of of touring and um progress with the band from that album yeah that was i mean we were kind of still in that same it was like it was like the 10 months a year type touring um like just hitting it hard uh we'd found our sound i think at that point we had learned enough about music and like sort of staying within our lane in a sense but also sort of pushing things a bit um Mm. a better understanding like musically how chords work how you could sort of get out of the box so to speak right because in there's like the major scales and chords that you sort of do in there but you can also you know there's so many ways you can break the rules that add sort of a different flavor to the sound or a tension or a right. an emotive feel because of the way you're structuring your chords that isn't all like power chords like we did back in the day you know yeah so i think we kind of found like yeah we're a we're sort of like a pop punk rock sound mm. you know we love what this happened We'll see what happened to the ska sound. We just, you know, we just, we're just, it, it's such a defining sound that right. we love it. Like, it, it's a cool sound. We never got, like, totally into the horns and all that stuff. We kind of like, like, a dirty sort of ska sound. Um, yeah. But, I don't know, we just, it would just, it's sort of, we just found ourselves losing interest in that, in that sound for ourselves. We just kind of, we all sort of gravitated more to a rock, a rock thing, you know? Yeah. And that's that's really where where we're headed. We just we kind of a sort of a punk, rocky, you know, pop sound. Obviously, a lot of harmonies and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's it, that. That was the evolution. I mean, that, that's where we're gonna stay. Is that sort of sound? Yeah. So is that what inspired the uh, the title, Kings of Pop, or was that just kind of a play on words? Or yeah, it was a play on words. It was. Uh, it was you know Michael Jackson, King of Pop, right? Like a part of our. A part of our stick, like live and stuff, was tons of banter. Just, you know, I'd like to think witty, but uh, it yeah. was it was just on the spot sort of type banter, and we never knew what we we're gonna say. It wasn't really planned, but we could John and I could really work well with each other, and Dan, and just sort of 
Like a lot of our show was actually the entertainment of what was happening um, between the songs. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. Sorry, I, I lost track of your question. <laughs> oh, I was just asking about the title of that record. Oh, and the title. So um, yeah, so Kings of Kings of Pop was like just sort of every, everything that we did was like we'd always talk things bigger than they were as like part of our stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we're the kings of pop, you know, because Michael. But you know, we're a group, so obviously we're the kings. You know, it's like, and we're a lot of times we're the older band, like on tour, you know, and the scenes. A lot of the bands coming up are like fifteen, sixteen years old, sometimes fourteen yeah. years old, and stuff. And so it's like, we do interviews and things, you know, online or whatever. And it's always like, oh, how do you guys? Oh, you know, I'm nineteen, and you know, and like we might have been, you know, like twenty seven or something. We're like, oh yeah, I just turned. Oh, yeah. it, was my, it was my birthday <laughs> yesterday. I just turned twenty. You know, just everything was just, you know, kind of like a the humor is very just sort of nonsensical, like hyperbole all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which kind of goes with, with the style of the music. You know, you think of bands like Blink and, you know, that was just kind of part of it, right? Just kind of, you know, the BSing back and forth and not taking yourselves too seriously. You know, that that just kind of comes with pop punk. So. That, that was, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of baked in a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what were yeah? So you mentioned some of the bands you kind of played with. What were some of the other memorable tours? Um, you know, were you noticing you were getting you know better offers or touring with more bands that you had kind of hoped to tour with um, in that cycle? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, tours with like Blink were were pretty pretty major tours. Oh, you guys toured with Blink. Awesome. Toured Blink yeah, a few times. Uh, like Good Charlotte was really good tours. Oh, wow. Um, All American Rejects, uh, Torn and Millencolin again, Unwritten Law. Um, oh gosh, who else? I mean, obviously stuff with Drive Through, right? You know, like um, Drive Through type put together tours. Right. Yeah. Uh, we did all the Warp tours. Like the Warp tours are always, you know, you know, big success. A lot of work, um, but you know, good success. Yellow Card touring the Yellow Card. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, these are all those those tours. You know, you just keep it just keeps building. It just keeps building. Uh, Real big fish. Yeah, I mean, they're, those guys are monsters on tour. It's like they still are, as far as I understand. They still go out and sell out everything. Mm. But, um, but yeah, those that yeah, those are some of the bigger tours. And then and like something corporate took us out on our first uh, UK tour, and that mm. was incredible. It was like the work we did in the United States to build up our fan base that took, you know, it's like eight years in the making, right. To get to this point where you're kind of confident yeah. and touring and have like good draw everywhere. It's like, we go over the UK one time and we come back and it's like, all the shows are huge. It was just like, wow, man, we don't deserve this, but this is incredible, you know? So, um, like Finch and all those bands and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Man, I love that era. So many good bands from there. Right? So a lot of good bands came out at that time. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the, the first year you guys did Warp Tour? Do you remember who like were the headliners that oh year? Oh, my and... gosh. I mean, I'm sure like No Effects was on it probably in like Bad Religion and those type of bands. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Well, it's hard to remember every Warp Tour because some bands play, you know, almost every year. And <laughs> Yeah. And, and Warp Tours are like... If you, I mean, if you're not in the bus, you know, I mean, they're not around anymore, sadly, but Warp Tours were a lot of work and a yeah, lot of driving. Like, we, we got to a point where we could do the buses on them and stuff, but 
And I mean, it's it's so expensive to have a bus. It's like, oh my gosh, why are we yeah. spending this much money on a bus? But um, when you're in a van or whatever, you have to stay for the whole show, right? So you have to get into the gate, uh, you know, in the morning at a certain time. Right. And then you, even if you played, say, at 10 o'clock in the morning, you would have to wait until the evening to leave. It had to be until the show was over. Like, that was oh, just, okay. that was like their etiquette or whatever. So it didn't matter if you had to get, you know, 10 hours to the next show or whatever. So a lot of drives, if you're in a van, right? It's hot. Like, if you're in the south, it's hot, it's yeah. humid. You play your show for half an hour, and then you're sitting around all day. And you think that's cool. You get to go see all your bands. But you've already seen the bands 20 times, right? You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't love them that much. And then you're just sitting there and you're just hot and you're burnt out and you're tired and you're waiting. And then you got to drive overnight for, you know, 10 hours. And then four, maybe four more nights in a row, you're driving overnight. You're not getting showers, you, you know. Yeah. If you can, if you're in a van or whatever, or an RV and you go on the warp tour and you survive, then that means you are meant to be a band, you know, because if, if, yeah, if, if anything's going to yeah. break you, it's the warp tour. Yeah, yeah, there's a price to pay. I've heard from lots of bands, right? It's an amazing tour to get on, but um, it's, yeah, definitely a, a gruel. But yeah, I mean, sounds like those were great experiences for you. And I'm sure you made some, you know, lifelong connections with bands on, on those tours. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I mean, it's an incredible tour. And it's Kevin Lyman's his thing. I mean, he, he, I mean, he nailed it. I mean, he, he got it for sure. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, so, it's cool. So it seemed like you guys had a lot of good, you know, projection you know at at this era so what kind of happened um you know after kings of pop you know that cycle um because that that's your last release correct yes uh yeah well we did after that we had um an ep we were working on right before the right before you know right before we just we're done uh it was called when it all comes down and it was recorded at a friend's house uh, here in, in SoCal, uh, a guy named Parker. He's in a band called Jameson Parker. I don't know if you've heard of them before. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But Parker had had uh, recorded that with us in his house. So. Oh, okay. Are those songs online somewhere? I don't think I remember hearing When it all that. comes down, uh, I th- I think it's on Spotify. Oh, you can actually there's I remember seeing that. not everyone knows this either we did a we did a i had a record label called utility records for a very short season and did a split ep with a band called limbeck um oh, yeah. and we had a couple homegrown songs in there that good luck finding them now uh yeah but you might be able to find them on youtube maybe okay you you don't have those songs anymore uh i have the cds i mean i have all the stuff but they're just not it's just not out, you know, and yeah, I, yeah. and I know even for Limbeck for their sound, like their sound really evolved into sort of the alt country sound and stuff. And I don't even know that they would want some of their old material out because it was so it was so much more pop. Right. And I think they, I think they sort of evolved into their sound later. So yeah, yeah. So what what happened with the band? You know what what kind of brought it to an end, or what happened with all that? Uh the without making it too long of a story um i had i my who is now my wife but my girlfriend at the time had we've been going out for a couple years and uh she'd broken up with me we'd gone through sort of a hard time and man i was just you know when you're out on the road for like 10 months out of a year there's not much at home 
and uh, there's just you know there's just not much stability and stuff. So you really kind of need to find your anchor points at home. And she was like mine for sure. And uh, when our relationship was over, man, I just tailspin. I was just super depressed, and um, it was a really really hard time. And uh, I mean, for me, this kind of gets into you know more of a spiritual part of my story. But I at that time like you know I'd, I'd been religious, been like you know had a relationship with God when I was younger and just in the band years sort of giving it up. And at a low point, I just started hearing God talk to me again and challenge me on what in the world I'm doing with my life and why. And I didn't have a good answer and I was pretty broken. And uh, I just felt like he was telling me like, hey, it's, it's time, you know, are you willing to let this go and trust me with what your future mm-hmm. could be? And uh that was a, that was a little battle, like to actually be able to like give that up, you know, because that was my that was that was all of me. That was my identity. I worked my whole life for all that, and of course, yeah. if I leave the band, that really, I mean, that changes my friends' lives too, you know. So it's very yeah. very complicated situation. Um, but for just for me, for my you know for my life, um, I knew that I knew that I needed to you know I needed to leave homegrown and stuff and. Mm nothing against the guys or anything like that um it's just my lifestyle just it just wasn't good you know what i mean like yeah. i wasn't living up to who i really was supposed to be um mm. and and just being in a band and doing that type of lifestyle just i just i just couldn't do yeah so the rest of the guys just decided just to call it quits then when you they did they had a they had a friend come in and play bass and I think they might have toured maybe once or twice after that, um, okay. and then they and then they and then they called it quits. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I mean John is super talented. You know he sings half the songs, half the records and stuff. He's you know super talented guy. Um, but I mean it's hard. Like I know I'm. It's like when a singer leaves, it's you know it's a big part of the band. So it kind of I mean it yeah. it really disrupts things. There's like, I mean no offense, I know you're a drummer, but a drummer could could leave and if you know if they're they're not like a big imprint on the writing or the sound or the different things or singing backups or something like that it's like yeah you're gonna piss off some fans but you you can hopefully find a drummer that can play play as well and fit back in or whatever but when you have a singer leave it's it's can be pretty devastating to a band yeah 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 Yeah. and so that that kind of ended that chapter and um yeah so what you know kind of post so what year was that what would that have been like uh it's like 2004 2004 okay so what uh i mean we talked a bit about music you know before we started recording here but kind of you know the last 15 years what has kind of inspired your creativity or your continued engagement in music and um i don't know if you want to share kind of what you've been working on um yeah anything like that yeah, sure. Um, I've been, uh, so, you know, there's all kinds of stories in, in, within this, but um, I've been working, I've been serving at a church for like 13 years now. I've always been really interested in like studio stuff, studio gear, mixing, engineering, and all that type of stuff. And uh, I do all the music here at the church. And um, uh, so, doing music like releasing some music it's called it's called bridge life music um the label we have here um but now i'm 45 and uh to fast forward to sort of present time uh 
probably when I was about 41 years old, I hit like another wall, like a middle-aged mm. sort of crisis of, um, um, I'd say kind of like more, more self-examination, I think, than I've ever yeah. done in my life and really sort of reflecting on choices I've made, what led me to who I am, uh, things that shaped me even as a child and how I play those out today and relationships, conflict, and like how that's steered my whole life. Just all kinds of things, right? I just got really reflective and um, and it was good, but it was also, I, I felt like I was like, man, I, I just got really depressed. Mm-hmm. I just got, I thought, I thought, man, I'm, you know, I'm a, there's just, there's just a lot of things I, I felt like I should have figured out by this point in life. And I got overwhelmed with like a tsunami of things I realized, wow, I've been so naive to, and I haven't been so aware of of some of the things and decisions I make and still make, you know, and and not like major, like bad, wrong things or something, but the way I deal with relationships or conflict and stuff like that, that are rooted back even to childhood things. And I just got so overwhelmed. I just went through probably a good year of some pretty severe depression, Mm. depression. And uh, that was, that was hard on me. That was hard on my family. Uh, hard on my wife, you know, my wife, I've got three boys, um, but, you know, holding on, holding on to my faith and stuff. Um, it wasn't like a quick, like, oh, I'm out of it. It was like a slow, slow rise out. And, um, and now I've been, I'm about two months away from finishing a record and it's all about sort of coming out of that season. Cause I was like, um, I was like, man, that was dark. And, uh, I got to imagine that there's a lot of people going through stuff like this who need like, like need a connection or at least need some like language for understanding, like maybe to identify some of these things and to help like have a way maybe to get out or have even someone to talk to, to get out. And I was like, I got to step back into this. Like I love punk rock. I love that sound. And I just, I just started writing and, uh, I usually would write the music first, like with homegrown and stuff. And like uh, New Year's Day, I was in a band called New Year's Day for a little bit too. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and um, but uh, yeah, we can go back to that for sure. Um, but now I just I'd written lyrics first and just put the because I had so much I wanted to say, and so the writing flipped for me. Now I had something to say and I had to put it in music that I loved, and it be- it came so easy for me. It was like mm. it was like riding a bike. I step back on, I'm like, oh my gosh. I love writing this stuff. Like, I love the punk sound. I love, I love the harmonies. I love the melodies. And so, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going back in. I'm like, I'm diving back into you know pop punk again. So, um, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens. I'm calling it radical, radical, and and we'll see what I do with the project. I have no idea right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned New Year's Day because I was I was sharing with uh, with a friend today um, that I was going to be talking with you. And so he just sent a message like, oh, was he in like New Year's Day after? I was like, I can't imagine so. That just seems like such a different type of band. But but then he like sent me the, I don't know if it was from Wikipedia or something. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess it is. So yeah, what's like, what what happened with that? And um, kind of what was that connection? Were you like an original member or? Uh, I, yeah, I was an original member. Um, so I was, when I'd gotten married... Um, I was, I was working, I was doing like, <clears throat> I was doing drywall and odd jobs, right? Cause once you get out of a band, you realize I have no life skills. So <laughs> you start doing whatever you can. So I was doing like yeah. drywall and stuff. And then I got, um, and then I started selling like outdoor patio furniture and stuff and making, and I was making a pretty good living. And then, 
Um, and then I started, there's also this other band, you could probably still find it on MySpace, believe it or not, but I wrote a record for this band called Daylight West. Okay. And it's more of like a sort of mature rock uh, country sound, um, but really good songs if you check it out, Daylight West. It's probably no one on planet Earth that knows that, except for you right now. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But uh, so I, there's my friend Keith, who was friends with Homegrown back in the day, and uh, I had lived with him for a little bit. Um, yeah, is this the timeline of New Year's Day? I'm trying to think. Might have been before I, might have been before I got married. I'm sorry. Again, I'm, get, I'm getting old, man. But anyhow, yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I, I was friends with him. He was friends with Ashley at the time, and she was. Um, I got to know her a little bit, and she would. She was just really like aspiring to like, like get involved in music, and she just. And I heard her voice, and I was just like, dude, you're, you know, her voice is phenomenal. Um, and she was looking to get songs. And so I was like, you know, what do you like? What are you looking for? And, um, you know, she like, she always does like not scary farm. She's like into very like sort of dark, you know, sort of like, you know, that comic dark, whatever that world is, you know, um, haunted type stuff. Yeah. yeah. She'd probably laugh the way I'm describing it, but you know, she just, in whatever that sort of darker genre is or whatever she was, you know, she really was into that and um so i just started exploring what it'd be like to sort of write a record that was pop but a little bit darker yeah so i was i i think i wrote i wrote i wrote the first ep and then wrote all except for i partnered in some writing in one of the songs with uh uh it's mostly written by i think the guy the singer from fallout boy i think and the guy from motion city soundtrack okay but yeah, I just wrote that record to sort of get it started and like give him, like give her a platform and you know give Keith and mm. and the band and stuff like that, um, like a place to start. Yeah, For yeah. me, it was never meant to be like a like a long term thing or whatever. Like I even looked on Wikipedia and it, I think it says something like Adam left Homegrown to start New Year's Day, and I'm like, that's not quite. that's very not true and i need to make the time to probably amend that but eh, whatever i never really i never really do anything with it uh but yeah that was just kind of helped them help them get started and and um mm. you know they've really you know i think she's i think she's really found the sound that she wants and you know it's kind of a, you know a heavier sort of darker sound but you know she's yeah. she's an incredible front woman and I mean, she owns the stage, so she's she's very talented. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's not a band that I mean, I've seen, you know, tons of stuff about them, but I can't say I've even really heard them, or you know, wouldn't be a band that I would have explored. So I'm gonna have to go back and check out some of that stuff. So go li- go listen to my dear. That would be the the full length or whatever, the one that that I wrote. And um, yeah, that would you you'll hear you'd be like, oh, that's that's kind of like homegrown. Yeah, some of the oh, progressions wow. are a little bit, a little bit more darker, but it's all, but it's all very pop. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Cool. I wanted to uh, wrap up by talking about a few albums. So we, I had asked you kind of, but what were some influential albums on you? So you mentioned the Operation Ivy one already. Um, so you, you also mentioned uh, Green Day and Lagwagon. So it'd be cool to hear, you know, which albums of theirs were were most influential on you and kind of how how they shaped you as you know, a musician and a music lover. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I remember, I remember green day there, there was a scene in Berkeley, California that was kind of breaking out. 
Um, and it was that like that pop punk scene even before it kind of got more mainstream and like the whole drive through, you know, Vagrant Records, you know, hopefully like all those sort of labels, you know, yeah. coming up. But there's this Berkeley scene and it was getting down to Southern California and uh, like Green Day, you know, after hearing Operation IV, then sort of Green Day was sort of baked into like, like, oh, they're from up there and checked it out. And I remember hearing Kerplunk and I was like, oh my gosh, like this stuff. I mean, it's still genius, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's where I kind of learned like how important melody was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it can be a simple song, simple structure, but melody makes the whole difference. Yes, right. It's simple, simple progressions. All, all great musicians played really well still back then, but it, you know, it wasn't like wild and crazy riffs and stuff. It's just great hooks, and uh, so that really kind of launched me sort of in that direction of wanting to write that way. And understanding, yeah. understanding, like, oh, I can go to this chord. I can go, you know, one to four to six to five. Like, it started developing me. Like, oh, if I try and write a song, I follow these sort of patterns. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. like the Operation IV sort of taught me the sort of ska, melodic ska type thing, and right. like bass lines that were kind of crazy. You could be crazy underneath and still, you know, make it work with the melody. And then Green Day was sort of teaching me, oh, like, like make a song catchy yeah you know, the, the melody is really really important you know mm. so would kerplunk be the most influential album of theirs to you i mean they, they've got lots but yeah i think that would have been the most influential yeah 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 which is cool because i mean everybody you know kind of talks about the you know the major breakout ones from them so that's cool that you know, the ones kind of preceding that had, had that much impact on you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's what, and that's what all that was out, you know, like they were coming down. I remember I went to go see him in, in uh, Irvine on the, on the college campus or whatever. Was so excited to see him. They're playing up, up, upstairs in this one area. And I mean, you know, scenes were like rough back then. Like the punk scene was, yeah, it, it evolved to be a little safer, but back then, like I mean, there were skinheads and skins. Like, that was normal things. Like, it was people right. getting beat up. Ambulances come to shows. It, like, it was kind of a wild time. And mm. sure enough, a riot breaks out. Chairs flying off the second story. Windows all break and show's over. I don't get to see him play. And I was like, gosh, yeah, dang it, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, them. And then Lagwagon just... Then, I, then that sort of taught me, like, oh, wow, you can be technical and melodic. Hmm. You know, and I watched I watched them play at uh, uh, Ful uh, Cal State Fullerton. They do a lot of shows at lunchtime on the campus there. Like different bands would come through, and I saw Lagwagon, and I just like I watched the drummer, like that you know that original drummer and stuff, and I watched their musicianship, how everything like yeah lining up, and it was moving beyond just the power chords. It was putting space and technicality and things in between melodies, and I was like. Uh, you know, it blew my mind. I was like, wow. You know, and then you start listening to like Propagani, different things like that. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, you can put chord structures up higher on the guitar neck and the bass can play something different. Or, you know what I mean? Like the bass can play a chord that's not the root of the chord, but creates tension. It's playing the third or the fourth or fifth. Or So that yeah. just started, it, you know, it all just starts opening up as you're learning about music, you know? But they're definitely, they're definitely a part of that. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite Legwagon album? Like, would their earlier stuff, like, Trashed be up there? Or is it... I was probably going to say Trashed. I mean, Haas was, like, a big deal for him, right? Like, Haas was a big one. But, like, 
Yeah, I think trashed. I'd have to say trashed. Yeah, yeah, they were actually a band I, I like. I got into a little bit later. I mean, they were always on you know Fat Records compilations, and I always liked those songs. But it, was, it wasn't until kind of years later that I um, kind of explored more of their discography. And so, yeah, I was just listening to Trash, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it was one I hadn't really even heard that much. I hadn't gone that far back, and yeah, there's definitely some great stuff on there. Good stuff, yeah. I think Duh wasn't Duh one of them or two or something like that in early release. Duh. Uh yeah yeah I can picture yeah that like fat kid on the cover or whatever I, yeah I'm trying I'm trying to spend a long or... time I, I <laughs> probably once we're done with this spot you know this podcast I'll probably go out and you know bone some lag wagon on the way home <laughs> yeah yeah awesome cool well uh, yeah it's been awesome getting to hear you know journey through homegrown and I just love hearing you know stories from this era and this is actually the first uh, drive through records band that. Um, that we've had on and so that that's really cool and right on, yeah glad glad we got to make this happen we've been talking about this for a long time and yeah and so it's uh yeah been great to have you on thanks so much for taking the time to to talk with us today yeah dude thanks for your patience on working with my poor communication skills bro <laughs> yeah hey any time to make it happen awesome thanks dude yeah absolutely man personally it gets to me how paranoid the guy is i mean we're the ones laying our asses out there for the whole wide world to see. <laughs> <laughs>